And for any of you who don't know, my name's Marietta Paul. I happen to be married to that guy. Okay, and I'm gonna try to keep where I am. I'm a COVID long hauler and my brain is more so than normal, so please bear with that. Okay. That their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. That comes from Colossians chapter two, verse two. And I'm starting with this because it reflects what I wanna speak about today, what the church has given me. And that's connection. And in that connection, healing. The seeds were planted early in my life. I was born in the Mount Kisco Hospital and baptized in St. Matthew's Church in Bedford, New York. Yes. <laughs> so that's where I started. Another really powerful thing in my life, in my youth, every summer my family would go to Lake George, that's in upstate New York. We had a summer cottage there. And another man would go there every summer. His name was Kermit Castellanos. For the balance of the year, he was in Beverly Hills. He was the rector at All Saints Beverly Hills. But when he was at Lake George, all the kids would just anxiously await his arrival. I don't think he even got his suitcases out before we descended upon him. And an example of Kermit, on his birthday, he threw this huge party for us. And there were races and competition and prizes and all sorts of really, we were so excited. And kids from further than Hearts Bay came, I think there'd be about 100 kids at that. That's Kermit Castellanos. And on rainy days at the lake, just the Hearts Bay crew, his house wasn't that big, we would all descend upon his house and sit on couches, reading comics, playing games. And one lucky person got to work in the workshop. I always wanted to do that. I think I only got to do it once. I'll get over that resentment. Um, but what Kermit Castellanos gave us was a safe place. And that figured big in my world. Oh, and another thing about St. Matthew's. I hate, I went to nursery school there, hi-ho nursery school. And I remember it was half days, either you're the, the morning or the afternoon. But I remember being in the morning and rushing home so I could watch Captain Kangaroo. Uh, but Sunday school, I hated it. It terrified me. All the kids scared the Watusi out of me. I don't even know what that means, but I just made it up. Um, so I would whine, and every once in a while, my whining was effective, and I got to stay in grown-up church. And it was there that I heard the doxology. And I have to read this because I won't remember it if I don't. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures, hear them roar. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If any of you really know the doxology, it's not all creatures hear them roar. It's all creatures here below. And I didn't know that until I was like in my 30s and they had PowerPoint and they projected it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so to the, I, will not, I will not do here below. I like to say all creatures hear them roar. 
Now my family. I was the outsider. I lived sort of a Cinderella kind of experience. I was less than. Um, my brothers, and, and that was shown. All my cousins and my brother, they went to fancy prep schools in Connecticut. And they went to debutante parties and all that kind of stuff. Me, I was the first person in my extended family to go to public schools. And my brother summed this up with this statement, Marietta, don't be ashamed, but you're of a lower social class than the rest of the Moors. I was ashamed, and I carried that label of less than throughout my life, my first 30 years, and I kept trying to break out of it, break away, but I never could pull it off on my own. At age 30, everything changed. On August 26, 1991, I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and said, hi, my name's Marietta, I am an alcoholic. And that was the beginning of my journey of mending my soul. And with that, that that tug to get back to church, which I had been on a 15-year hiatus happened. So I was pulled back to church. I worked the 12 steps. Uh, but the first church I got to was an Assembly of God church, which was not kind of a film. It was not a familiar experience for me, and it was definitely not a fit. And several months later, however long it was, a friend tugged me and took me to Christ Episcopal Church in Bradenton, Florida. And when I walked in there, when I sat in a pew, it pulled me in. It was the most incredible. I don't understand that, but that's what it was. And then during the service, they sang the doxology. And I was home. I'm trying to keep on track. Now, the rector of the church, Dennis Kazar, and his wife, Sandy Kazar, became great good friends of mine. And Dennis, one, there were a whole bunch of things, but one thing, I was gently tugged, perhaps voluntold, to get involved in youth ministry, which was, that was a transformative and wonderful experience. And then Dennis said, you know what? I'd like you to do a lay talk on that. And I was like, okay. And when I did that, they had three services, FYI, in a morning. And on the first service at seven, all my friends were in the front pew. And they laughed later. And they said, Marietta, we could see your knees shaking. But after the first two lines, Something happened, something came over me. I think it's that weird thing, what is it? God, Holy Spirit? And this power came through me. And I delivered my little thing, but I wasn't really there. I had put the words down. I had made myself come up to the podium and then things took over. And that's the first super direct experience I had had with God partnering up with me. And that's carried me throughout my life. So, and it's, okay, oh, see, COVID. Um, Dennis's wife, Sandy Kazar, became, she's a fellow artist and great friend and later a role model for me when I walked into St. Peter's Church as the wife of the rector. And all of a sudden I got here and I'm like, 
oh my God. And then I thought of Sandy. And Sandy was Sandy. She never donned the perfect little church lady thing. She was Sandy. And a good example, one Sunday, I was like down in the church. She's up in the choir loft, and I was like all holy and stuff. And I felt something hitting me in the head. Um, Sandy was up in the choir loft spitting spitballs at me. <laughs> but she had super bad aim, and she kept hitting the people behind me. And I turned around, and they were glowering at me. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. But they didn't look at Sandy, they looked at me. But you know, when you see how I am, consider who I model myself after. <laughs> also, out of Christ Episcopal, we had a new bishop come into our diocese who had commissioned all the altar guild ladies from all the parishes within our diocese to find someone who might be able to fashion a crozier, because the diocesan crozier, it was atrocious. They had like a pipe for the stem of the crozier. And if you don't know, that's the stick you see bishops walking along. So that's how my business changed into creating holy hardware, which sustains and has been my income since then. Um, and one really huge moment within that was when the crozier was finished, it was diocesan convention, it was held at Christ Episcopal because it was a really big church. And Bishop Smith was in the chancel, was holding the crozier. He invited me up and he said, this is the crozier. This is the woman who made the crozier. And everyone stood up and clapped. That was big. And later on, I, I'm, I'm cruising Home Depot. I love tools. So it's like I, I cruise shoe stores at Home Depot. Um, and my phone rings, and I pick it up, and a friend said, Marietta, I knew you'd be famous. I'm going, uh-oh, what did I do? What? And she said, look at this Sunday's Bradenton Herald. You're on the front page. And I looked, and I was. And the name of the article, Silversmith Blends Craft with Faith. But this has to be put in perspective. I, my, the article about me was below the fold. Above the fold was this huge splash for Snooty, the manatee, 60th birthday. <laughs> Snooty was like the great mascot of Bradenton, Florida. So again, think of it in Snooty, Marietta. Okay, and the next thing on this journey is the administrator at the diocese said, Marietta, you really need to go to general convention and exhibit your work and get some more commissions. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I had never been to the West Coast. I'm an East Coast girl. But I still said, yeah. I thought it would be like four days. It was two weeks. But I did it. I went out there, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, one of the, another weird connection in my life, so I'm there with all my stuff, and I see this guy tooling around in a jazzy chair. It was John Bruno, who was the bishop of Los, Los Angeles. And I kept telling him, oh, you holy roller, which I thought was super funny. I don't know what he thought, but I thought it was funny. Anyhow, I was talking with him, and I don't know how this came up. 
kept talking about this KC guy, um, Kermit Castellanos. John Bruno, in his youth, had been one of those kids who had convened in, at wherever Kermit was and read comics and played games and enjoyed that safe place that Kermit had created. And I'm there going, what? This, this larger-than-life, when he's not in his jazzy chair guy, he's another one of Kermit's people. These are my people. I'm part of this huge web. And that leads to what I forgot to say of the huge web. When I was at Tampa Airport getting ready to fly to Anaheim, I'm looking around, and all these people have these big blue binders. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then I saw the Episcopal seal. And I realized all those people were going to general convention. I was surrounded by a cloud of Episcopalians. And oh, it was fabulous. And I talked with them, made friends. And in fact, one of the couples took me under their wing. They gave me a ride to the hotel from the airport. They took me out to dinner several times during that two weeks. It's just. The Episcopal Church has been all around me my whole life. I always thought I was alone. I've never been alone. Um, okay. The next thing that happened in Anaheim, my booth happened to be right next to a, another man's booth, Cliff Challey, who makes custom vestments. And he and I became great good friends. And to this day, in fact, he was my best person in my wedding and we do some business ventures together. And whenever we go to convention, we always have our tables together. We both have silk tablecloths, and we consider ourselves the Rodeo Drive of the convention. <laughs> and after meeting Cliff, I would go to LA and visit he and his husband, Kirby. They were like family, they're wonderful. Um, I would go and visit them, and on one of these visits, they had thrown a dinner party for me. That's a new experience. And they had gathered a cadre of artists who create for the church. And there, was, there were some heavy hitters then, one of which I still remember, a woman who was the head animator for Pixar. And you'd think, this is the less than girl, Cinderella. I didn't feel like this. I wasn't intimidated. I was with my people. I belonged and within, with artists. There was a sense of belonging I had never experienced in my life. And I will be eternally grateful for that, well, to the church for that. Okay, now we go ahead three years to the next general convention in Indianapolis. And here, Cliff's business partner, John Fees, introduces me to this guy, Jeff Paul. And he says, Marietta, He's just like you. He doesn't drink. It was a rousing endorsement. <laughs> John had known Jeff from St. James in the city, where both he, Cliff, and Kirby were all parishioners. And Jeff came in, and he had hair at that time, as a brand spanking new priest. He was what he calls cured there. I don't understand any of that's all priest stuff, I don't know. But that's what came out of that. We all went out to dinner and a conversation started between Jeff and I, which 
obviously continues to this day. But there was, it wasn't just that he didn't drink. There was some connection that was profound and established then. And also another weird connection. I'm looking, I'm going through, there are about 10,000 people at convention, this whole crowd of people, little midget me's trying to push around to get to the exhibit hall to my booth. And I see Jeff in this animated conversation with this guy who looks strangely familiar. It turns out his name was David Andrews. He went to High Ho Nursery School. He was a parishioner from St. Matthew's, and he was my brother's best friend in prep school. He knew Jeff through Credo. And the other thing, they, so they were talking animatedly about me, but also about these Manny petties that they would get when they were at their Credo conventions. I'm so busting you. Um, <laughs> so the convention ends. I go back to Florida. Jeff goes back to Nevada. But our conversation continues. More on my side than his, but it continued. And six months later, he invited me to Carson City. And I tell you, Anaheim might have been the West Coast, but bleh, whatever. When I got off the plane and saw Nevada, I was stunned at the beauty of this country, and my heart was captured by it. Jeff was pretty okay too, but Nevada, I love Nevada. So I can't tell you I moved here because of Nevada or Jeff. Well, whatever, I am here. Um, so that's when I got here, and let me make sure. And I attended my first service at St. Peter's. And that morning, I was just sort of drifting around, and I happened to start a conversation with Kathleen Plant. And if you don't know, she's an 8 o'clocker and serves as an acolyte all the time. And it turns out we both hail from this small little area in New England. She's actually from Norwich, Vermont, and I'm from, Nan well, from, I'm from New York, but we moved to New Hampshire, Hanover, New Hampshire. And that's one of the few school districts that are by state. So Vermont and New Hampshire go to that high school. And her little brother, Bobby Plant, was in my high school class. And to make it even more phenomenal that I think Vermont, my high school class was only 146 kids. So all those connections, all the weaving in was pretty cool. Okay. So I returned to Florida. Conversation continues. More on my part than Jeff's. Such a bait and switch because when we met in Indianapolis, he talked just as much as me. But then things change. Anyhow, I go back to Florida. Six months after me coming here, he came and visited me in Florida, and he proposed to me. And one of his most favorite times in our relationship was it rendered me speechless. <laughs> and that's never, ever happened again. <laughs> you know, dream on, Jeff, no mute button. And upon hearing of this news, of this proposal, my bishop, Bishop Dabney Smith, called your bishop at the time, Bishop Dan Edwards, to suss out this Jeff Paul guy, to make sure he was worthy of Marietta. <laughs> and if he wasn't, Dabney had threatened something, that he would come here and someone would pay. I wasn't in on the conversation, I only 
heard. But what, what was powerful in that for me is I was being watched out for. I was valued enough that someone went to vet to see if it was going to be okay for me. I, wow. And then, this continues, when Jeff came to Florida that November to fetch me, I had set up a dinner between Dabney, my bishop, and his wife Mary, and Jeff and me, and I thought it would be friends. You know, we're going to go out to dinner and yuck it up and whatever. But Jeff walks in the house, into Dabney and Mary's house, and Dabney changed. He did that transform. He sort of, I swore he put his miter on. He didn't, but I could see it. He, he got all bishopy, and he proceeded to grill Jeff. <laughs> what Jeff calls, he vetted Jeff. I think that's, even though Dabney wouldn't be old enough, I think that's what fathers do to make sure their daughters are with a decent person. And he might have threatened you, I didn't hear it, but I'd never been, that's never happened to me before. I've navigated this world as I thought, alone, and all of a sudden, through the church, all these people were lifting me up, valuing me, watching out for me. And my time in Florida ended with a farewell party, and it was filled to the brim with all my church people people who loved and valued me. Seeing them all gathered in one place was really powerful. I felt the belonging that I, had, oh, I, I hadn't known before, but I began to know 30, at age 30, belonging and the love. That was a far cry from my Cinderella beginnings. Um, there are so many more threads that I think are super important and whatever and really interesting, but it would take way too much of your time. But the bottom line here is church to me has never been a Sunday acquaintance. It has given me my life completely and my healing. So in the heart of brevity, I'll end with this, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love.